This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Hello from our Bible school. This is Dr. E.J. Parker, and I'm the academic dean. Uh, we are associated also with uh, uh, CLST.global, Christian Life School of Theology in Columbus, Georgia. And we're speaking from our chapel here. As you well know, those who have been listening in the past two weeks, that uh, Adelia Hansen, pastor's wife, and myself have been sharing the messages. He is still out of town, and uh, hopefully he'll be back in a week. And all that, uh, he had to go to a serious situation with his daughter's illness. And so we pray for a quick recovery. For those that probably don't know who I am, because I've never done this before other than last week, I'll just tell you a little bit about my history. Uh, I was born and raised by believing Christian parents on a dairy farm in Illinois. I served as a local president for the Luther League during my high school years and went to two different conferences, but also when I attended a Bible school camp is when I originally gave my life to the Lord. That was the first time I've redone it since then because of certain things that took place. Anyway, I uh, had a degree from uh, Luther College in Decor, Iowa, where I studied in classical languages. And uh, I was planning on going into the ministry. That's why I took the classical languages. I did an internship, a student internship, uh, my third year at the seminary in San Diego, California at Our Savior's Lutheran Church. And it was there that one day I was having a lot of chest pains. And when I was 17 years old, I actually had a heart condition develop. And so I went to the doctor, and the doctor says, you have nothing. How long have you had this pain? I says, a couple months. He says, uh, there's nothing wrong with your heart, but you've got walking pneumonia. He says, go home and rest. Well, within a day or two, I had my first airplane ride. Now, don't ask me how that all took place. But I ended up getting my private license while I was on my internship. Took me four weeks to get it. And anybody that knows anything about flying, that's very quick. Then I continued to uh, go out to uh, finish my last year at Luther Theological Seminary. Some people call it cemetery, and sometimes I think I can agree with that statement. Uh, having gone through our Bible school, which is an excellent Bible school, it's not taught by denominationalism, but it's taught by Christian people who love the Lord. So I graduated with a Master of Divinity in 1967, and I applied for the airlines, believe it or not, and I won't go into the long story for that, but I didn't get hired. And so the godparents of my, my children 
bought me a single-engine Cessna, and I got it qualified for a 135 operation, and I was trying to sign a contract with C Control Data out of Minneapolis. And it was a rainy day, and on the way back, I stopped at the Northwest Airlines. I walked by the personnel manager. He was not too happy with me. I walked back up to the chief pilot, friend of the Dutchman, and that's a friend of mine, Hans Wallerstrom, who's now deceased, friend of the Dutchman, have you had your physical yet? I says, no, can you get it tomorrow? I says, yes. He says, if you do and you pass, you start class Monday morning. Monday morning, I was in class for Northwest Airlines. During my last year of seminary, when I did my examination by three professors, it uh, usually lasts for about an hour and a half. Mine lasted about 30 minutes. 25 minutes were spent about why I was going into flying. And they showed me a test that I'd taken, and they said, I think you made the right decision because I flunked everything on socialism or working with people. And so anyway, uh, I was in class, and I've been with Northwest Airlines for 32 years. The uh, first uh, seven years I was with them, I was laid off five times, so it was, it was a troubling period. But I did retire with them in 2001. Because at age 60, and now you kind of know how old I am, at age 60, you have to retire. And that was like 21, 22 years ago, 20 years ago. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that was a very interesting experience. I, I kind of think the Lord maybe led me through that. I've had some great, fantastic experiences while with the airlines, and I've had some deep changes in my life that had to take place. But uh, then I met Dr. Hansen in 1999, two years before, three years before I retired. He came to Cedar Park Lutheran Church where my wife and I were members. And, uh, and at that time, Cedar Park Assembly, Cedar Park Assembly. Well, when you get to be 80 years old, sometimes you slip up with the little words. So forgive me. I was listening to my message last week and I realized I said one word wrong. But uh, not a problem. I remember when I was uh, going through high school, I played a trombone, and I had braces in my teeth. I took the braces off, and while well, I had trombone, I couldn't play it, so I stopped playing. But then they put a retainer in my mouth. I don't know if you know what a retainer is. Back there was a place around the front and a big uplift. And I have a very high palate in the roof of my mouth. So when I speak the letter R at the end of a word, like my name, Elmer, I have to be very careful because I used to say my name, and I said, oh, Elmo. And I was very, very upset with that. And then when the day I was going, I started speech therapy, and, and when I took the, the uh, palate out, the instructor looked at me and said, I can't do you anything now. As long as you got the, uh, that palate in your place, you got perfect speech. You take it out, you're going to have yours, which I still have. When I was in San Diego, California, I went by initials EJ. Everybody knew me, EJ, and nobody asked me, what does it mean? Because people down in Texas area go by initials. They don't have full names. That made me feel good. But uh, a lot of times I get accused of having a Boston accent. And when I heard that when I was in a student pastor, I said, oh, that's good. i just from Boston, so no big deal. So I overcame that without too much problem. I met Dr. Hans again in 1998 at Cedar Park Assembly of God. And we invited he and his family over to our home for, thanks for Thanksgiving dinner, I think it was because they were just new missionaries coming back from Africa. And he was a little bit of a rebel, and uh, those that know him when he speaks, you may understand that. And I was a little bit of a rebel, and so we got along very good together. And it wasn't too long afterwards, 
uh, I was flying around the world with him because as a pilot, with dealt with Northwest Airlines, even where Northwest flew, I had a free pass. So it made it real nice for me to travel with him for those years. And so now I've been serving with him since that time. I actually bought a property right next door. And so I've been there since 2001, since I retired. And I did retire just for the way flying a Boeing 747-400. It's just a little airplane with four engines and carried 400 people. And I must say I did enjoy it very, very much. But they came here, met Dr. Hansen. He got me my doctor's degree in theology. And I just been with him. My wife and I decided that we would work with Dr. Hansen in any capacity that he asked us to do. And we've been doing that for a long period of time. And so when he does leave town, sometimes I get the opportunity. You're supposed to say opportunity to speak. Uh, but I'd rather hear Dr. Hansen speak. Such a tremendous man of God. So anyway, that's a little bit of who I am, and I say I am so thankful to be able to serve under such a man of God. Do you enjoy the Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen radio program? Please take a minute to pray if the Lord would have you help us with the substantial financial burden of this program. We receive no grants or funding from any organization or government agency and have no other means of support than the gracious and generous giving of our listeners. World Ministries bears the entire burden. In about 30 seconds, you can donate at worldministries.org. That's worldministries.org. Thank you for your gifts, generosity, and graciousness. Today, I'm going to talk about understanding Christian life and world life. The worldly life. We differ so much from the philosophy of the world if we have a biblical theology and they have a world theology, so to speak. And so I said, why is this so true? And usually if you ask this question, why, about something, go to the Bible. You can usually find the answer. So I'll be using some scriptures to try to show why worldly people have a hard time understanding the biblical view of the world and why Christians have a hard time understanding the worldview. The reverse is true. So what does the Bible have to say with the problem? If you go to John 1, 1 John 4, 4 through 6, I'm going to read in two different versions. I'm going to read one in the King James and the second one in the Amplified Bible. The King James version says, you are, God, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, that's the false prophets and spirits, because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. There are of the, they are of the world, therefore speak they of the world. And the world hears them. We are of God. He knows, he that knows God hears us. He that is not of God does not hear us. Hereby we know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Those of the world do not understand absolute truth. God's word is the only absolute truth. And there the world believes Instead of the absolute truth, they believe the lies of Satan. 
and not the truth of God. In Luke 16, 13, it says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and the world at the same time. The many people who call themselves Christians that are not the born-again believers with only a biblical worldview, they are trying to serve two worlds, the biblical world and the world itself. They're riding the fence. God says you cannot do that. So many people who call themselves Christians, you have to put a question mark on that. Are they born again? That's the key. And know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Have they repented of their sins and accepted the Lord? Mark 7, 6 says, And he answered and said to them, Well has Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far, far from me. So many Christians today honor God with their lips, but does the heart really honor God? Big question. And one needs to ask ourselves, do I just honor the Lord with my lips, or do I honor the heart with my Lord, or the Lord with my heart? John 15, 18 through 19 says, If you hate, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. The world would love you. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Why can we see the hatred against the Christian church in our America today? They're trying to close the church down since you can't, you can't come and gather before the Lord. You can't sing worship songs. If you do come together, you can't sing. Coming against the church in powerful ways. The other thing about that one I like, it says, but I, God, have chosen you. You have to be called and chosen to be a Christian. Now, once you've been called and chosen, you have to be faithful. That's in Revelation. It says the called the chosen, and the faithful. Because the faith is what keeps you following the Lord. Worldly people hate us because they hate Jesus. Not that they hate you, but they hate that Jesus that's in you. They hate Jesus because they are of the world and they cannot understand what goes on in the biblical realm. They're more interested in self. What can I get for myself? Not what can I do for God. They want the glory and the unwilling, and they are unwilling to give God the glory. Not only do they hate you as a lover of Jesus, they do not understand you because you are of God and not of the world. You're not part of them. Romans 1 is very interesting, and I'm going to read that, quite a few verses. Starting with verse 21. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in the imagination, and foolish heart was darkened, professing selves to be wise, but they became fools. And they changed the glory of the unincorruptible God into an image made by the life of corruptible men, and to birds and four-footed animals, create, created things. What you're saying is they worshipped 
the creation and not the God, the creator. Wherefore, God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own heart to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forevermore. Amen. For this cause God there gave, God gave them up into a vile afflictions, afflictions. God gave them up for them to live in their afflictions. For even their women, they changed the natural use that is in that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of a woman, burned in their lust towards one another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves the recompense of the error which they met. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do the things that are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fortification, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignant, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventor of all things, and disobedience to the parents. Does that describe anything when you look at the news today? If you listen to the main news media, all those things they're promoting as good. In other words, the Lord did say in the end times, good will become evil and evil become good. And we're there. I really honestly believe we're there at those end times. In John 12, 40 and Matthew 13, 15, which are very similar in verse, I'm just going to comment. It says that God blinds their eyes. God blinds their eyes. They don't blind their own eyes. God blinds them. That's interesting. A very interesting statement. He does not want a person with an unrepentant heart to be converted. Let me read the scripture. He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts that they should not see with their eyes, understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. God does not want a person with an unrepentant heart to be converted. Why? Without repentance, they will fall back into the sin, and conversion will be lost, and the healing would have been in vain. Believe it or not, God knows what he's doing when he blinds the eyes of the sinner. Now, we have a responsibility. Our eyes aren't blinded. We know the truth. We are held responsible to make sure they hear the word. That's our responsibility. We have to do that. We have to show them that. What do we need to do as Christians? I received in the mail the other day, Phil Arms of Life Reach Ministries newsletter. And he has some interesting statements concerning what's taking place here in America today. And I'll read what he said. The leftist who now controls both House of Congress, the White House, and our tangled bureaucracy have no regard for the Christian community. Is not that true? Isn't that what we're seeing? We're seeing pastors being thrown in jail in Canada for holding church service. We've had some in the United States that have been actually been justified because they've been held, the 
that they did not have, the government did not have the right to close down their churches. And so they, they won the lawsuit. But they have no regard for the Christian community. Their policies reflect an anti-biblical bias, which is way off the chart. Please realize, we are in a very real war. It is a war of our hearts and of our minds. And control. If we look at the COVID-19 with the mask, social distancing, vaccine shots, it's all control. It's all control. And what does Satan want? He wants control. And the Christian church has got to wake up and say, hey, we're not going to fall under the control of Satan. We're going to follow what the Lord says. Then he goes on to say, we can win this war by refusing to be intimidated into silence. We must stand up and speak for our truth. We must all be willing to sacrifice, to participate in the pouring of our hearts and the resources into the battle. Silence and retreat on our part is the only way to lose the advantage. We have an advantage when we follow the Lord, when the Lord is with us. We have a great advantage, and he can go forward as our defense. It says so many times in Scripture, the Lord is our defense. Then he goes on to say, and Christians thought only, even though a small community, or excuse me, a fall minority, do have the advantage because light always overcomes darkness. If you light a candle in a dark room, it's going to overcome the darkness. You cannot stop it. But if you don't light the candle, the darkness remains. It's pretty simple. Maybe they could call that science. I don't know. I guess it's called physics. But because light always overcomes darkness, we must, however, we must, however, allow the light to shine. We must let the light to shine. I want to go back to Romans, as we got a couple minutes left. Because we hear so much that homosexuality, lesbianism, same-sex marriage, all of this is, is not against the Bible. Now, if you go into Leviticus, it talks against it. And now here in Romans, Paul really talks against it because he saw what was taking place in Rome. Rome was not as bad as Sodom and Gomorrah. And America is not yet as bad as Sodom and Gomorrah, but we're certainly tending to lead towards that, where we're accepting even within the church, the church that I was actually trained under now accepts homosexual pastors to serve in the pulpit. That's an abomination. And many churches even won't say anything against abortion. Now, there's a very interesting thing that's happening in the Catholic Church because the archbishops are thinking about not allowing vice president or president, uh, so-called president, or Biden, or Mr. Biden, and his wife, Jill, not to participate in the communion. So one of the nice Democrats from California, good old California, says, hey, 
If we do that, we'll take their tax exemption away from them. Threat. That is an outright threat. But if people really understand it, the church does not have to be a 501c3 and still have all the deductions. Heal Your Land Ministries has a great, great uh, discussion on that. So, if you lose your 501c, people have a 501c to think to get a benefit from the government. If you're getting a benefit from the government, aren't we supposed to be getting a benefit from the Lord Jesus Christ? From, that's where our benefit comes from. So we don't need that. Don't we trust God that he's going to see us if we just trust him in everything we do? So my point is to make, we need to totally submit our lives to the Lord. You can go through scripture and you'll find out he'll back us and everything we say because he said it to us. His word, he cannot lie. He will see us through all troubles. He will deliver us. He will heal us. But, the B-U-T, you have to believe and trust and have confidence in God and His Word. That's where we stand in America. We need to trust, believe, and obey God for His Word. Blessings. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.